The Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by Beck Dental Care, Columbia Academy, Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, Covenant Technology, By Design Cabinetry, and Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact them today at 931 381 2663 or visit mtbj.net. Good morning and welcome in to another Monday edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. I'm Chris Yao, joined as always by Maurice Patton, J.P. Plant on the controls. And again, Monday morning following high school football playoffs, following a wild weekend of college football news, and following a wild weekend of NFL craziness thanks arizona cardinals um pretty big show today got a lot to talk about and we are definitely going to get into it pretty quickly first though we will ask how's everybody's weekend mo what'd you do this weekend i didn't do much of anything this wait a minute i did do something i had um had dinner with my parents who celebrated their 57th wedding anniversary saturday 57 57 it's a long time that's impressive i always like so when i'm when i'm djing weddings i I play a slow song and ask every married couple to get out on the floor and then you know i'll start if you've been married for less than two hours you can sit down (laughs) and then just kind of go up and see who's who's the oldest who's the last man standing the last couple standing we actually had a tie a couple weeks ago it was like i think it was 54 so and they they were struggling to stand up there that long i was trying to get them off the (laughs) trying to get them off the floor as quick as i could but they were they were they stood up there they danced the whole song it was pretty cool but for them yeah, fifty-seven. That's awesome. Congrats. So, and, and and they're listening, I'm sure. So, you know, well, at least one of them is. Yeah. Well, so. we appreciate that, and uh, we we want to extend a hearty thank you, for sure. Yeah. JP, what'd you do? Did you watch the Masters yesterday? Uh, I I caught uh, a large portion of the Masters and uh, mowed the yard yesterday again. Oh, yeah, that's about the last time on, on November fifteenth. Well, I that, thought that's the, the third last time, time probably. Yeah. <laughs> See the the thing is though, I'm not the one that determines when the last time is. That's, that's yeah. Enough that's said. A, that's a problem. Enough said. I, I feel you. But it but um, it looks good. I'm glad I did it. That's typically the way it works. Mm-hmm. It's such a pain psychologically, mentally getting out there. But once you're out there, yep. It's like well, heck, I'm out here. Might as well mm-hmm. do a decent job. I'm you know? I'm going to say this, and it's recorded on the radio. She was right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is recorded because it will be on a podcast right. later on today so well, you she know, can go back and listen to it that's the thing is like you know most people I, I mean i guess most most guys our age jp like that's one thing they look forward to is is mowing the grass because i don't you, look forward to mowing the grass at all like i said once i'm out there it's fine but i think people that do that have a really nice riding mower which i don't i don't either I have a battery-powered push mower, which fits the yard. Right. I mean, it's 
I don't need a riding mower, but people say that they enjoy. I would enjoy it too yeah. if I had a nice riding mower. Could put, you know, you can listen and you can sit, and I mean, it's it'd be well, fun. I mean, I've got a slope on one side of mm-hmm. my yard, and I've got a fence that separates the front and the back, and I've got a gate that I probably couldn't get a riding mower through. Yeah. So all all that, but it only takes about an hour and fifteen minutes to That's push it, if that. It's not bad. It's just. I don't want to do it. Yeah. (laughs) Some good self-introspective time, though. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I I usually try to um, put on Pandora, put it on the Prince channel. Oh, nice. (laughs) Let it go. Get a little Prince, a little time, a little um, whatever else comes up. So, yeah. That's how I felt yesterday when we were moving. I was like, I don't want to go over here and get the rest of this stuff. But once I was there. But I'm going to feel better once Mm -hmm. it's done. And once I was there, I was like, we got to get it all. Yeah, like everything that can fit in our I want vehicles. To be done, yeah. with this, yeah, and we yeah. are. Uh, yeah. So there you go. Not a bad weekend. Um, got a lot of high school sports to talk about, so let's get into it. What do you say? It's what we're here for. It is. Um, first off, if you want to get in on the show, call us, text us. 931-381-1017, 931-381-1017. And for those who say that we don't give the number often enough, there it is. There's your number. 931-381-1017. You At can, least somebody's listening, though, to yeah. complain that we don't give the number. You can call us. Sure. We'll put you on the air. Or you can just shoot us a text. Make sure to include your name so that we can identify you. And other than that... You have plenty have to talk it. about. Like I said, we've got plenty of plenty of stuff to get to. Zion Christian was supposed to start there. Actually, a lot of high school basketball was supposed to start today. Uh, or, or this, this week. week, anyway, yeah. And uh, Zion will not be among those starting as they have canceled, what, three games? They've canceled three games. Oh, postponed indefinitely, I guess, because I'm speaking to Derek Boyd last night. They, um, they have hopes of somehow rescheduling what was supposed to have been a season opener tomorrow night over at Mount Pleasant, as well as a trip Friday to Hampshire. And then um, they're scheduled to open the home portion of their schedule next Tuesday against Kalioka. All three of those doubleheaders right now are postponed. Now the, the X factor in rescheduling is that this week's games are, quote, Hall of Fame games. And so whether or not... Mount Pleasant and Hampshire will have room on their schedule to accommodate those later on in the season is obviously up in the air. But, yes, uh, Zion Christian has suspended all athletic activities, um, practices, and games at both the middle school and high school level until after Thanksgiving due to um, some COVID concerns. They have – some quarantining going on and also um their numbers with both the boys and girls basketball teams were were limited and as as the article on sm-tnsports.com mentions um coach boyd said that they were there were concerns about you know going to other gyms and that kind of thing under these current circumstances with the Murray County Public Schools, with many of them being in remote learning situations and that kind of thing. So, you know, just trying to make the best decision for their student body out at Zion Christian Academy. Well, at least they admit that they have cases uh, or or have some sort of COVID concerns. Mm-hmm. 
they've got concerns. They see the numbers here in the county going in the wrong direction, and they just felt like the best thing for them to do right now was just to step back, give it a couple of weeks, reevaluate after Thanksgiving, and hopefully, hopefully get back to action on or soon after November 30th, which is two weeks from today. Well, again, at least they admit it because there was an incident over the weekend on Friday where a team may or may not have admitted or – I'm not even sure what the situation is. Let's just lay it out. Okay, yeah, let's do that because I've got some ideas. So here's – Here's a situation that happened Friday night. If you were following on Twitter at all, you saw that McMinn County and Dobbins Bennett were scheduled to play a second-round football game on Friday night. The game was being held at Dobbins Bennett, which, by the way, has the nicest high school football stadium I've ever seen in the state of Tennessee. That press box is insane. And they're... Their, their scoreboard is I mean, very similar to Marshall County, but, you know, the big video board and everything, just wild. Anyway, Dobbins Bennett's hosting. McMinn County gets there. From the Twitter reports from several different outlets, what I understand is that the – what county is Dobbins Bennett in? Dobbins is a, it's an S. Is it Sullivan? Sullivan. Sullivan County Health Department is made aware of a potential positive case on the McMinn County football team. So the health department says Dobbins Bennett will not play this game because of a COVID positive test on McMinn County's team. So at that point... No winner was determined because McMinn County was there. They were going to play. Dobbins Bennett said no. Well, Dobbins Bennett was told they couldn't was play. Was told they couldn't play. So they, they had every intention of playing. This happens at 7 o'clock. At 7 o'clock, the game is canceled. Well, 6 o'clock our time. Yeah, right. But 7 o'clock Eastern time. And I don't know, I don't know how familiar you are, but McMinn County – Athens is about a third of the way from Chattanooga to Knoxville up I-75. Kingsport, you know where Kingsport is. Mm -hmm. That's not a short trip. Right. I mean. That McMahon County has made to find out that they're not going to play the game. Now, the upshot of this is McMahon County had had a positive test. That individual did not travel. But was he around any other players for the potential, you know, quarantining and, contact tracing? And I guess therein lies the issue. I, this is that is the issue, right? So, from what I understand, the TWSAA is gathering administrative reports from both schools. And we'll make a decision this morning on what will happen. Bernard Childress has said that everything is on the table, including playing the game tonight. I really don't think at this point you play the game tonight. I think I think somebody forfeits. 
but who? Eat well. And how do you make that decision? Coin flip? No, 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 real easily. If the McMahon kid, if if contract if contact tracing shows you that he was not separated and McMahon shouldn't have played, the McMahon forfeits. If things are on the up and up with McMahon, they got on the bus in good faith. They went up there. Authorities in Sullivan County stopped Dobbins Bennett from playing. Dobbins Bennett forfeits, in my opinion. See, I don't. It wasn't the school, though. You're talking about the county health department. It wasn't like the team said, we're not going to play. That's uh, where that's what gets me. That's where I have an issue, uh, is the team was ready to play. Was the team ready to play? Or did the team tell Sullivan County's health department, hey, you know, we got something going on here. I mean, you're going to – I think you are getting to the point of the season where you're going to see that type of chicanery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I don't think you're wrong. So there you go. I just. I, I mean. So if you are manipulating a situation to your advantage, but who's going to tell them that? Nobody's going to tell them that. Tell them what? Nobody's going to tell the TWSAA. Hey, we talked to this health department and. <laughs> I mean, I bet you, you could, if somebody looked hard enough, you could find a connection between the Sullivan County Health Department and somebody with the Kingsport Dobbins Bennett football team. How else would they know? Right. So, somebody at the football stadium. Right. I mean, how, had, had how, how did they find out that, that McMahon County had a positive test? That's a That's the real question. That that's where the investigation. How how, how did the Sullivan County Health Department find out that McMahon County had a positive test on their football team? That maybe they knew they had a positive test because they were told we had a pos- they had a positive test, but they didn't take anybody out for contact tracing, and that's when the health department slash Dobbins Bennett said we can get around this by saying that they didn't pull the people that they needed to for contact tracing. I mean, I don't even know who the player was, but I wonder if it was it anybody of significance. I mean, if it's a freshman who stands on the sidelines the mm-hmm. whole time, who who knows? I mean, anyway, weirdest situation. And most likely they're not going to ID that player. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, at this point we're going to wait on the TWSAA ruling. I, I don't think playing the game tonight is going to happen, although it would be really awesome if it did. <laughs> I would love some some Monday night football. I think I think you might see the game play tomorrow, and well, and here's the deal: the winner the winner plays gets Maryville. Maryville, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> oh, coin flip it anyway on a short week. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I could see them Maybe pushing push the, Saturday. Yeah, I could see them pushing the Maryville game back to Saturday. I don't think Maryville cares when they play. <laughs> they don't, as long as they have time to get ready for Oakland. Yeah. They probably already are getting ready for Oakland. That could very well be. <laughs> so they may point. not want Saturday, then. They may want the full week to Oakland. Eh, that's what I'm saying. They're probably already. They're, they're already in Oakland mode. Yeah. They, they've been in Oakland mode since, since the end of the but season. But just physically, <laughs> right. physically, you know, not playing, you know, having the equal amount of days of rest. Sure. They need they need to play, though. They, they will need to play this week. All I right. mean, having a week off, as we know, is not always a great thing. But anyway... 
Uh, we will talk about some more high school football. We have we had two games in our coverage area, Independence and Summit and Central. So we will get to those on the other side of a quick break. We will talk about the Lambert's Roll Toss <laughs> when we come back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Stay tuned. Are you finally ready to turn your outdated kitchen into a dream kitchen, but you don't want to deal with the hassle of a remodel? Call our friends Lynn and Kathy over at By Design Cabinetry in Spring Hill. They have the latest trends and timeless classic looks for your home. By Design Cabinetry is your solution to indoor and outdoor cabinets. Visit them at bydesigncabinetry.com or call 615-241-1195. Hey folks, while we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader-building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Welcome back in to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Christy Al, Maurice Patton, J.P. Plant, and it's time to talk about the heartbreak of the weekend. Yes, we're going to talk about Independence's brutal loss at Brentwood. The second time in three years that they have basically been six yards away from a trip to the quarterfinals and instead Brentwood finds a way to win once again you know we're supposed to be impartial and the biggest part of the time we are but I can tell you that I don't know that I have felt more sorry for a team that I didn't have a personal attachment to than I did for Independence at the end of that game Friday night. I mean, that's that's a tough way to lose a ball game. I mean, kudos to Brentwood for hanging in there after getting down 21-7 at the half, and Cade Granzow just made a play. But that's that's a tough that's a tough play to lose a ball game on. Oh no, kidding! You're, I mean. If you haven't seen the play, it's everywhere. It, it was. On it is Sport, everywhere. It was on Sports Center. It y'all. was on Sports Center's top ten, and somebody sent me a a tweet to that effect Saturday morning, and it's like, wow, I missed it. I would love to have seen that. I mean, and what Scott Van Pelt or whoever had to say about it, but um, nah, it's um, it's it's a great play, and it's. <laughs> As pointed out in our article on sm-tnsports.com, it's not the first time Granzow has made that play. Not the first time he's made it against Inten- uh, against Independence. Excuse me. Um, threw one underhanded last year during the regular season to Walker Merrill for a touchdown. Yeah, he he. You know that particular play, he he rolls 
to his left. It was a, it was a run pass option. I'm pretty sure. I think it was pretty. You talking about the front? This one? Yes, this one here. I'm pretty sure he was looking to pass or. And, um, sure, but he rolled out to mm-hmm. his left to give himself an opportunity to to run if yeah. he had the opportunity. And Independence's defense backside pursuit got to him, and and had they trailed him. it well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were there. It's just that somebody came up to stop the run, and the receiver Luke Fontet Fontetia, I think it's Fon- Fontesia. Yeah. Just you like know, Fantasia, but had the presence of mind to to stay with the play, get himself open, found a spot. He was waving his and arms, just stood there. Yeah, and just stood there and waited. And then Cade gets it up, and dude Plenty. almost called a fair catch in the end zone on it, and it, caught it caught it like a Lambert's roll. As my wife said, <laughs> after that, you know, after I showed her the play, she said he threw that like a roll at Lambert's. Yeah. And, and that's exactly, you know, it, it was just, it was just, a, just don't drop it. Just don't drop it. You and, know? and, and Fontesha did not drop it. And that was, I mean, essentially that was the end of the game. It, it was, like I said, the second time in three years that independence has, has lost in heartbreaking fashion at the six yard line at Brentwood, at Brentwood in the second round of the playoffs. Uh, the, Leading up to that play, you know, Independence just they they struggled in the second half. They did being able to to take you know to hold Brentwood outside of the ten yard line. Now they did force one field goal. Mm-hmm. Was it one or two? One. All right, they for, they forced one field goal inside the ten yard line, and at the time that was pretty huge because Independence had taken the second half kickoff. They got a big play out of Trey, Trey Hartwell, but then they they kind of fizzled there. They had to punt. Brentwood goes down and scores. So the momentum is starting 14th. to turn right there. It's 21-14 because Indy had not punted in the first half. Um, I think it was the next drive that Hartwell fumbled, and that's where they held him to the field goal because Brentwood had a chance – to tie it right there. Right. It was 21-17, mm-hmm. and then Hartwell goes to the 51. house. 51, yeah, to the house. Makes it a two-score game again at 28-17. At that point, you're thinking, and I think, I think Indy thought, okay, we can breathe a little bit. Maybe they breathe too much. The first game of the year and their last game of the year, heartbreaking losses yeah. for independence say that very similar situations mm-hmm. you know destin wade's run with about a minute to go you know in that first game that that beats independence and then this one here it just felt like you know we talked about this independence defense all year it, mm-hmm. it almost felt like they relaxed a little bit at the wrong time and again granzow Injures a knee against Kane Ridge three plays into that game. Comes back with a eight, big old brace on. Eight, 18 carries for 108 yards and, what, two touchdowns, I think? One with a sprained MCL, y'all. Yeah, yeah. And and throws two touchdown passes. He's um 21 of 33 for 166. You know, not huge numbers in the passing game. They – they really run that short control passing game. Walker Merrill went out midway through the third, I think, with with a hamstring issue. But um, 
that kid, he's he's a tough kid, obviously. Signed with Auburn for baseball earlier last week and tends to walk on with football as well. They say he's going to give football a shot and see what happens. Uh, I mean. Well, if he. I, I don't know how they feel about underhanded touchdown passes at <laughs> Auburn, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. Oh, man. It, it's just, you know, this is this is a game that we thought was Independence's game to lose, and, 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 uh, and it, it was. was. Yeah, it was. I mean, again, they led 21-7 at the half. They were up 28-17 in the fourth and and just could not get close Brent it out. Wood stopped. Yeah. Yeah, couldn't close it. And how you know, many times did they punt? Indy? Yeah. Do we know exactly? I I I could probably tell you. I can't tell you right here at this moment, but I've got my play-by-play in the other room. Um I think they punted three times in the second half because they turned it over once they scored once i think they probably had five possessions in the second half gotcha well i mean that's a that's a good job by brentwood oh yeah that's yeah you know that that's really what you have to say you have to credit brentwood for doing what they had to do to get the win you know independence just again couldn't finish at brentwood in the playoffs and it's it's tough. And, you know, as JP and I and Coach Mike talked on the um, the postgame scoreboard show Friday night, yeah, I think it really is a tribute to that region 6-6-A and how tough it is. I mean, you were an underhanded touchdown pass with 18 seconds left away from seeing the number three and the number four seeds play for a state semifinal berth. And yet you're still going to see a one in four seed because of another mm-hmm. late touchdown that for another thirty one to twenty eight victory. That was odd. I saw that and I was like, wow, both games were thirty one twenty eight. That's that's weird. But Franklin had no business going down and scoring right there. I think they got the ball back with like a minute sixteen or something and drove the length of the field to win the game that was wild and and again you don't want to take anything away from franklin but ravenwood quarterback trevor andrews who who is he is a problem as the young kids say um went out of that game i think in the first half and so ravenwood had to go with their backup most of the way and andrews is definitely a difference maker for them and Again, you don't want to take anything away from Franklin. You know, you got to play with whoever is there. But Ravenwood is definitely a tougher team with Andrews on the field than with him off, as we saw in the um, regular season finale against Independence. So, but I was that wrong. said, 51 seconds, under a minute to go. And they went how far? Under a minute to go. Connor Beaven uh, gets to. Um, the Ravenwood 26 with 23 seconds to play. I don't know how far they went because I, I didn't. I haven't read the story. Okay. Um, but with 23 seconds to go, they get to the 26. Uh, somehow there's some clock mismanagement. Um, that doesn't sound good. 
Yeah, uh, seven seconds left, second down, 28-24, and Franklin called timeout. And on the next play, it's Bevan Spirito with four seconds to go to give Franklin the win. Y'all, absolutely insanity on Friday night in Region 6-6-A, those two. I mean, it was all Region 6-6-A, and it's going to be all Region 6-6-A this weekend, and it's it's wild. Region 6 chaos. It's Well, we kind of knew this was coming with the, the one seed being a three-way tie. I don't think any of us I, – I mean, even though I called the Franklin win last week, I don't think any of us saw Franklin being in the quarterfinals. No, and, and you know, to hear – you know, that Franklin Ravenwood game got over with before the Independence Printwood game did, and listening to folks on the sidelines talk about how happy they were for Donnie Webb in particular, um, the longtime Franklin coach. Um, we were talking about it at Summit, yeah. about how excited we were for Donnie Webb. Yeah, it's a good dude. He's, he's, um, he's, he's been at this for a while, and to have the Admirals back in this spot – as the number four seed out of Region Six Six A is is um really a testament to how he and his coaching staff have been able to keep those guys focused and obviously getting better. I mean, beating Smyrna the way they did last weekend was just—I didn't expect it. You called it. I, I, didn't, I didn't expect them to beat him that bad, but yeah. they—I uh, expected Franklin to win. But you know, so you know, and um. Talking to Ron Crawford after the Brentwood game, you know, he mentioned from 2002 to 2011, Franklin and Brentwood met 16 times. Yeesh. So, I mean, these two are used to seeing each other in postseason play, even as they have been region slash district rivals for, for all that time. So, what do you do with the record books, J.P.? You throw them out the window, Mo. There you go. In the quarterfinals, always. <laughs> well, it, especially with these two. With these two? Because you, you see a lot of situations where one of them wins during the regular season and and the other one gets gets the win when it matters. And so, I mean, this is a situation where we feel like the winner of this game is headed to Cookville. Yeah, yeah, because I, I don't have a whole lot of – Confidence in whatever's coming out of West Tennessee. Uh, I won't say Memphis because Shelby County's not playing. That's the problem Mm -hmm. is we don't know, you know, we really – we're not real confident in what any of that means Mm -hmm. because you just don't – records don't matter. Yeah. Because half of the wins are COVID COVID wins. wins. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know – I really feel like the winner of this game is is the favorite for Cookville, and Independence would have been there if not for a Lambert's roll toss. <laughs> congratulations to Brentwood. Absolutely. And a congratulations to Independence. Trey Hartwell with a great year. Even the fumble didn't really – it was fourth and one. Yeah. I don't think he got the first down anyway. The fumble probably was nothing more than just a turnover on downs. At worst, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think the fumble necessarily made a difference. Like you said, I don't think he had picked up the first down on 
you know, in either either case. Right. So, so at, you know, anyway, my point is congratulations to that, you know, that team. Jackson Campbell's going to be an all-state selection. He's got to be. I don't know if he's going to be, you know. I don't know if he's going to be Mr. Team. Football or not, but he's he's going to – we're going to be mentioning his name some more. He will definitely be the an athlete on the uh, All-State team, I, I would assume. Yeah. I don't know if he'll be quarterback, but he'll be an athlete. Because <laughs> um, that's what he is. Exactly. Yeah. And we're going to be talking about Trey Hartwell for the next couple of years, I got a feeling. <laughs> and Ty Lockwood. And Ty Lockwood. Um, so, again, congratulations to Independence on a great year. Uh, we hate that it ended the way that it did, but that is high school football playoffs in the region six six a yeah yeah so there it is all right when we come back we're going to talk about the summit spartans they get a big win over central in the second round of the playoffs and they will travel to shackle island on friday we'll talk more about that later in this week but when we come back just some information on how they got there to the quarterfinals on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Stay tuned. If you've listened to this show, you know Chris and I are always down for a good meal. Recently, we learned about Patio West in Spring Hill and what a pleasure it has been. Their menu is full of seafood, burgers, and more, giving every member of your family something to enjoy. Be sure to go by Patio West Coastal and Comfort Eats located at 3011 Longford Drive in Spring Hill or visit patiowest.com and tell them the guys at Southern Middle Tennessee Sports sent you. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net. Wade is going to look over the offense. He's going to keep it. Wade's not touched. Wow. Pity, baby. There's Summit on the board, 10-26 in the first quarter. It's almost like a butter knife cutting hot butter as he slices in and out. Wade gets it. He's going to fake it. He's going to throw it. Wade's got all day. To the corner. Got it. Touchdown. The playoffs live on TriStar Sports Radio. Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. It is time to talk about Region 5-5A as the Summit Spartans get a second-round win over the Columbia Central Lions and 28-14 fashion Friday night. I was there, and I'll tell you, it was it was a really fun football game to watch because the first half was kind of sloppy from both teams, um, and the second half was kind of back and forth. A lot of fun to watch, I mean, if I'm being honest. I was impressed at the 
Columbia offensive approach. They put the ball in Brady McCandless's hands. He threw it 33 times, completed half of those, 16 for 234 yards and um, a touchdown. Yeah, that touchdown was interesting. It was it was like second and ten from the twenty, and they he rolled to his right. Buckman was standing by himself at the at the summit sideline on the numbers, and just I mean out he outran everybody to the, to the goal line. But it you know it was one of those you know wheel route situations where get the play flowing one way, throw back to the across the formation and. It worked out to perfection. Uh, that was really the only play they had in the first half of any uh, significance. The rest of the time, Summit's defense shut them down pretty much. Uh, that being said, the Summit offense wasn't wasn't great in the first half. They were leading 14-7, and I say they weren't great. It, it was just more of a – everything was kind of methodical. Everything was kind of, you know – just kind of get the first down. It, it was first downs equal touchdowns kind of thing. It was they weren't looking for a big play, mm-hmm. so it was interesting. Well, you know the Summit offense may not have been great, but clearly junior quarterback Dustin Wade was twenty six carries, two hundred forty two yards, and rushing touchdowns of ten yards in the second quarter, twenty six in the third, and thirty three in the fourth. Um, sounds like he was pretty unstoppable. Yeah, I, I mean, he was. I will say this, though. This this defense, this summit defense, that held Columbia to negative 26 yards rushing, in the playoffs, they've held teams to negative 28 yards rushing. Hillwood had minus 2. Central had minus 26. 29. Minus 29. Okay, yeah. well, then, so 31. You're right. <laughs> Depends on whose stats you're going by, I guess. I'm going by yours. Yes, yes. you're going by mine. But <laughs> I guess Justin Lambs. Some people have 26. We have 29, so let's go with that. Well, let's go with ours. Yeah, let's okay. go with <laughs> I was reading off of someone else, because here's the rest of the list. This is, this is what I was going by. Mm-hmm. Franklin County had 25 yards. Northwest had 12. Spring Hill had 11. That's five opponents under 25 yards rushing this year. Total. Total. Total yards. That's insane. I mean, my goodness. Run the ball. Stop the run. That's just the the. Uh, I don't think they're going to uh, have negative rushing yards this week against. Against, Wing T Beach. against Beach and Mr. Football semifinalist Tashawn Jefferson. Yeah. Nah. Probably not. Probably not. But we've seen this movie before. Well, not only <laughs> have we seen this movie before, but we've been wrong before. Yeah. So. <sighs> anyway, uh, Friday was a lot of fun in the just in the fact that, you know, both of these teams in our coverage area, both of these teams were much better than the first time around. You know, I put I, I put a hypothetical line out at 17 and a half. It was 14. Put the uh, over and under of passes thrown by Summit at 11. They threw 12. You guys were right. Over, but just a hair. 
And you, less, you you put the line where? At eleven. No, no, no. Oh, 17 and a half. Okay. I picked at twenty seven thirteen. That's it. So you nailed it. You just thought people were gonna miss extra points or kick field goals. <laughs> no, miss extra points. Yeah. So And you know, the again, we expected this game to be much like this. Mm-hmm. With Summit having a little bit of rust in the first half, you know, they they struggled to get things going offensively. Even though they scored on their first drive, it was not an easy route to to the end zone. They um, had to convert a third and one, a third and five, and then a third and six to, uh, to get into the end zone. So, again – not getting off the field on third down for Central was the was the issue. But, um, you know, some had to punt in the first quarter, which is unusual. They didn't have to do that at all um, in the first game. They did not punt at all. And after that first punt is when, you know, McCandless hits Buckman, ties the game up at seven, and I'm sitting there going, uh-oh, here we go. We got a ball we game. We got a ball game, yep. And, you know, um. Central holds Summit on a fourth and eight at Columbia's 26. So then they take over at the 22, but go three and out. Summit forced to punt again. Again, just – and here's – I will say this about that punt. <laughs> Let me tell you about this situation because this is a really fun situation to talk about. All right, so it's fourth and – it's third and 17. Destin Wade runs for one yard. It's fourth and 16 at the 25. Um, Central is called for a personal foul, 15-yard penalty. All right? Now, that makes it fourth and one. Now, wait a minute. Because I had this question come up during the Brentwood Independence Is it not automatic well. first down? I thought a personal foul was 15 yards and an automatic first down. Not in high school. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you. I feel better now. So we thought the same thing too, mm-hmm. but then I got to thinking. I was like, no, in high school it's fifteen yards, not automatic first down. So that makes no sense. It goes from fourth and sixteen to fourth and one to fourth and one. Mm-hmm. All right. So Summit calls timeout. They're going to go for it. At <laughs> The line judge on Summit's sideline during the timeout throws a flag for a sideline warning because the players weren't at the top of the numbers. Well, that's not a sideline warning. I mean... They already had one. Okay, so that's a sideline violation then. So it goes from fourth and one to fourth and and six. six. And some has to punt. Coach Coleman's a happy camper right about now. Let me tell you, when when I tell you that Brian Coleman had some plenty of choice words for that official throughout the evening, it I I'm not must be something about bald headed coaches and officials because going back to our previous segment, Coach Blade was none too happy Friday night either. Because a personal foul set up the 
yeah. Lambert's toss. Yeah, half the distance personal foul because there's no on way the, he makes that on the sidelines. Right. He may. He, there's no way he makes that underhanded toss from the thirteen instead of the six. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah. in the fourth quarter, I think Destin Wade takes off running. He gets to about the five yard line, turns around and starts and looks at the Columbia defender. That same line judge tosses out the flag at the three. Wade goes into the end zone. He waved off the touchdown? No. That's right. What you're seeing, that this is me on Friday night. The white hat goes, they're going to take it on the kickoff. And I'm sitting there going, you can't take a penalty that happened in the field of play on the kickoff. kickoff. (laughs) If it's not a dead ball, you can't put it on the next play. So they're just making up rules as making they go Making them along, up huh? as they go. Okay. How these two people got – Are officiating a second-round state playoff game. Absolutely bonkers. Yeah. It just goes to show that we need more officials. So if you're out there and you have any, any interest in officiating high school football – It's an open book quiz. <laughs> that's right. It's an open book test. And apparently you don't have to be very good to get playoff games. You can just make just, stuff just, up. Just ask Brian Coleman and Scott Blade. <sighs> anyway, I had to get that off my chest because, y'all, I, on Friday, I was, I thought it was a personal foul. Brian did not think it was a personal Did he say anything? Did he Did he talk to him? I don't know if he talked to him. I don't know if he said anything or not, but he turned around. He definitely taunted him. He, he definitely <laughs> taunted him. You can write that 100% he taunted the kid. But... <laughs> I mean, this is the same kid that De- Destin Wade that when he scored that winning touchdown against Independence did the shoulder shrug emoji <laughs> in the end zone. So, you know, I, I and I, I don't fault the kid for having fun and that sort of thing. What, it's supposed to be fun. And I don't have an issue with that. But, he, I mean, he certainly turned around, and if, if by rule he was taunting him, Yes, absolutely. He he was taunting him. But he did it at the three-yard line. So, yes, they should have waved off the touchdown, put the ball first and ten at the 18. Instead, they did not. <laughs> they just – it was wild. Anyway, the uh, the officiating in both of those games were l- Less subpar. than stellar. Yeah, less than stellar. That's, that's what we'll call it. Uh, but, yeah, you know, again, though – Big night for Destin Wade, as has been the case all year. 26 carries, 242 yards, three touchdowns, 7 of 12 through the air. Really good night passing um, for 81 yards and the one touchdown. And the one touchdown, this is – oh, man. I, he rolls to his right. Wade's, Wade's got the ball. He rolls to his right. Do you remember the Johnny Manziel fumble against Alabama where he fumbled it and then threw the touchdown? Same thing. Wade dribbles it like a basketball, falls out of his hands, jumps right back up into it, touchdown. It was it was a thing of beauty. That's when you know things are going right. Yeah, and that was the first drive of the game. That was on third and six at the seven. So potential for having to settle for a field goal there if he fumbles and Central recovers, they get the ball. Who knows? So many things could have happened. But instead, big night for, for – uh, Destin Wade. In all likelihood, Destin Wade's first carry Friday night against Beach will put him over a thousand yards for the season. He's at nine ninety nine. He's at nine ninety nine right now. 
As long as it doesn't go backwards, well, he should be good. That's yeah. That's awesome. Thousand yard rusher from the quarterback position. How many yards is he thrown for this year? Eight seventy nine. Oh, he's finally off the. Uh, He's oh, not finally off the seven thirteen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that he was on for half the season. No, he has thrown for eight hundred and seventy nine yards, thirteen touchdowns, rushed for nine hundred and ninety nine yards, thirteen touchdowns. Yeah. He's balanced. It was a really good football game. I enjoyed it. Nice to know some summit folks are listening to the yes. show, by the way. Appreciate you guys listening and make sure to share with all of your friends. Uh We've got a great second hour for you as Chip Walters of Middle Tennessee State, the voice of the Blue Raiders, will join us and talk about their trip to Huntington, West Virginia. And we will also talk about uh, Tennessee State hoops. Uh, Had an unfortunate situation over the weekend um, that we will tell you about a... Those aren't connected. A loss... Yeah, a, yeah. A, a, a loss in the OVC Hoops community at UT Martin. The Masters, Will Muschamp, should we put flags on quarter, NFL quarterbacks? We'll talk about all that and more on Southern Middle Tennessee <laughs> Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. The Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by The Rock Place, Custom Stone Handlers, Covenant Technology, By Design Cabinetry, and Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years, specializing in orthopedic injuries. Their OrthoQuick walk-in service lets you bypass the ER. Visit them online at mtbj.net. Welcome back in to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint Clinic. I'm Maurice Patton, and joining us on the hotline here is the voice of the Blue Raiders, Chip Walters. Um, tough week, Walters. Well, it was against a, a really good football team, and uh, you know, and and you know, to give Marshall, you know, all the credit they made, especially that they. You know, period of the game, late first half, early second half, and you know you hear the cliche that you know last four minutes or five minutes of a half, and the first four or five minutes of the second half can really dictate a ball game. And in this case, Marshall took a seven-seven game with about three and a half minutes to play in the half, made it twenty-one-seven. By halftime, and within five minutes of the start of the second half, it was twenty-eight-seven, and Middle was fighting an uphill fight at that point, and and uh, and, and they are, you know, they're now a uh, they were fifteenth in one poll uh, last week, and they're now they've moved up a spot in uh, in at least one of the polls. They were fifteenth in one, sixteenth in another, but uh, they're good. I mean, they've got all the pieces, Mo. They've uh, They've got a. They have a redshirt quarterback that, uh, you know, if you if you've 
got to start a redshirt freshman quarterback. He's in about as good a situation as he could have because the offensive line, all five starters on the offensive line for Marshall are redshirt seniors, every one of them. And they have a running back that is uh, was the, the defending Conference USA Offensive Player of the Year. So you, that takes a lot of pressure off and, and a good core of receivers, as, as they always have, and a defense that has been given up only nine and a half points a game. So, you know, uh, Grant Wells threw for over 300 on Saturday. Uh, his guys made some incredible plays. Uh, in middle play, you know, actually for the first, tw- you know, 25 minutes, pretty good defense. It was just the, the offense could not sustain much of anything, whether it be their own fault or whether – uh, you know, and obviously, you know, a good bit of the credit's going to have to go to that good Marshall defense. Middle Falls at Marshall, 42-14 on Saturday. Obviously an emotional affair for the host Thundering Herd as it was the 50th year since the um, fatal plane crash involving the football program up there. And so, you know, you talk about uphill battles, Chip. It was going to be tough under the circumstances, just just the emotion around that observance, it was going to be tough for anybody going in there on this Saturday, I would think. Yeah, yeah, it's, you know, it seems, I know we've, this is the, at least the second time, if not the third, that we have played them on what they call it the 75 game uh, because of the 75 souls that were lost on that airplane. But, it's either the I know it's the at least the second, if not the third time we played them on the '75 game, and it's highly emotional. I mean, they have, I mean, on Friday afternoon after practice, they take their team to the cemetery where they're all buried. Uh, I mean that that kind of tells you, you know, that there's going to be some emotion. And then when they when they on on Saturday they do a a, a really really good job on the video board with you know. Uh, with old video and I mean, even off with like Walter Cronkite coming on and talking about the plane crash. And then, you know, the families are there and you see them and, and their football team, they, they're kind of linked arm in arm walking, walking very slowly, not racing onto the field. Like you typically see a college football team, but walking very slowly out onto the field, arm in arm uh, and over to their sideline. It it was they they uh, they uh, they salute those people in a very respectful way and uh, and again and you're right it is uh, you've got one arm tied behind your back right there going into it when you when you play them on that particular day and uh, and add on top of that uh, you know as good as as Marshall is and you know to be quite honest I think they 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 were uh, they may have been a little over emotional. Uh, to start the game and and uh, I mean middle had a had a really good plan defensively to try to you know it, it's kind of a pick your poison and they were going to try to take away the run and did a really really good job of that for the better for most of the first half and uh, and, and and then you at the end of the half they used the they, Marshall used the pass to score those two late touchdowns but uh, you know it was a, a very emotional day and it's something if it's kind of one of those things. If you ever have an opportunity in college football, one of the things you want to, you, you'd like to, to be part of, and and because of the reverence that is there, it's it's something very special. 
We're speaking with Chip Walters, the voice of the Blue Raiders. He's presented weekly by the law office of Blake Kelly. Blake specializes in accident and injury law. You can find Blake's page on Facebook or Instagram, or you can give him a call at 615-305-4539. Chip, aside from the emotion and the pretty darn good Marshall team, um, Blue Raiders didn't do themselves a lot of favors, turning it over four times offensively. But when you mentioned that defensively the focus was stopping the run, that tends to leave your corners out on islands at times, and it looked like they were able to exploit that going over the top on the perimeter at various points throughout the game Saturday. I think you're exactly right. And 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 it, it it took Grant Wells, their quarterback, you know, uh, you know, kind of about a quarter, quarter and a half to kind of get going and, and realize, um, you know, with young quarterbacks, sometimes they they don't realize what they're seeing. And and just what you were talking about when you put your your corners on an island in one on one matchups, you know, he had to he had to be coached up a little bit to to actually understand what he was seeing. And once he did. He he uh, he did a really good job of trusting his receivers. Uh, uh, one young man, Willie Johnson, had about 140 yards in catches, and he was the big play guy on Saturday. Uh, Artie Henry uh, is is quick as a a water bug, and and was able to to make plays. But uh, they made some very athletic and 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 made and it seemed like they got every. 50-50 jump ball, uh, and and you and, and and you combine that with what Middle did. They kind of reverted back a little bit offensively. I think they probably took a couple of steps backward because they had kind of gotten things going in conference play. You know, you, after those first two games against Army and Troy, the first time Middle had scored over thirty and and thirty or more in every game since then, and then you know kind of reverted back. And the the turnovers became a problem. Uh, the lack of uh, the lack of a, con- a conventional running game has been something that has been an issue. Sometimes able to mask it a little bit, and and Marshall is athletically good enough to where they could have a spy on Asher O'Hara and 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 limit his production uh, with his feet enough to uh, you know to to shut down. Middle's offense, and and that's what they did. And this isn't a point of the season where you want to see a regression offensively because Middle goes back for the second half of a home-and-home against Troy this weekend, traveling to Alabama to take on the Trojans. That's right, and Troy is – Troy has – you know, know, if if you'd asked me this question a week ago, I would have told you that Middle was kind of on an uptick in Troy – was either neutral or on a on a bit of a downtick since they last played. But uh, Troy was supposed to have played over the weekend and had their game postponed due to COVID issues uh, on their own team. Uh, and and Middle, uh, who had been you know who had, it seemed had gotten some things going offensively, as I mentioned, taken a step back. So now, you know, here's the question: is you know with Troy. They they had to cancel because of basically lack of enough players at, at a certain position group and weren't able to play on Saturday. Now will will they be th- 
through those issues uh, enough for this game this week to be played? Uh, well, it's a little too a little too early to tell. We won't know that until at least the well. Both teams probably had a round of testing. I know Middle had a round of testing yesterday. They'll test again tomorrow and then on Thursday. Uh, so uh, and we'll see how how things are at that point. Uh, but uh, I, I talked to the Troy radio announcer yesterday and and uh, asked him, I said, are, are you confident? He goes, I'm pretty confident that we will be able to play and that the issues can be, uh, that they will be able to get by those issues they had. And uh, instead of being decimated at a position group, they'll just be shorthanded. So, but he said, I'm not 100% because you just never know with this thing. And, I, and nobody can be 100% at this point. But, you know, now everybody's starting to use those dates uh, you know, in December the 5th and the 12th or those weekends that the postponed game against Charlotte may be moved to the 12th. That hasn't been put in ink yet, so just uh, so far in pencil on my calendar. But but uh, it looks like Middle could play at Troy this week, home against FAU Thanksgiving week, then with school closed, have an open date, and then have to play uh, Charlotte on the 15th. So, I mean, it, it has been a challenge for sure as, as you work through the schedule and, and also uh, the uh, having to pivot from sometimes from week to week on what lies ahead. But, you know, maybe that'll all, maybe that'll all pay off for everybody in the long run once we get past this. And hopefully some of the good news that we've gotten uh, overnight and over the last week about a vaccine uh, it will will come to fruition and uh, we can get back to normal quickly. And you talk about the numbers that Troy was dealing with. Um, Troy, a member of the Sun Belt. Now, will those will those limitations impact you know a non conference game like this, Chip? As well, how do, how do those hold in non conference situations? Yeah, you know, I, they. Uh, it's interesting that. You know the SEC. The SEC has very clear uh, guidelines on uh, position groups. Like for instance, you must have s- seven offensive linemen, and five of them must be scholarship. Conference USA and, and Coach Stock and I talked about this last week. Co- Conference USA. I can speak. He can. You know, we talked about. I would imagine the Sun Belt is probably similar. They don't have those specific guidelines as far as each position group whether it's defensive backs linebackers wide receivers things like that where you know the sec has the 53 man uh you got to have 53 uh scholarship players and all that so i i think it's kind of it's kind of a uh up to the up to the coach at that point and and i think both coaches in this case i mean Troy won the first game. No reason they wouldn't want to play. And Middle has been uh, ready to play every game to this point. So uh, it's. Uh, I don't think in in this case because we're our leagues are so similar that uh, unless they just had to cancel a game uh, for for numbers that I don't think we would see anything. You know, uh, any any other reason not to, but. You know, being shorthanded is one thing. You know, being totally out of guys in a position group is a whole different thing. 
You know, Chip, um, talking about the Sun Belt, I don't think you can discuss this conference for very long without discussing Coastal Carolina. We talked about um, Marshall being ranked 16th this weekend and moving up in the rankings. Coastal's having that um, get-on-the-map type season as well. They are, and, and you know, that was part of the conversation uh, when we were in Huntington this weekend is about who out of the group of five is going to get that New Year's six opportunity. Well, right now, to me, you know, the top three that you're looking at are, are Marshall, Coastal, and Liberty. And, uh, and so, you know, Liberty remains undefeated They're They've got, you know, they've got a tremendous football team right now. Coastal remains unbeaten and Marshall remains unbeaten. So they right now have to be, you know, your, your, your leaders in the clubhouse, uh, as we head down through this last four weeks or five weeks, depending on how many games that are left to play. And Marshall's in a position where they, uh, and well, and I guess most all of those are in a position where they would have to play a conference championship game as well, which also could put an unbeaten season in peril against another good team. Chip, we always talk this time of year about the overlap. Um, and again, you've got you've got Troy this weekend down there, and basketball looming as well, and and a little uncertainty there. I think the Blue Raiders are supposed to have. Um, open against Akron next week um what where does the basketball schedule stand right now well as far as I know they uh, they will be heading uh, they will be heading to Fort Myers or Estero uh That's correct. Which is right outside Fort, which is right outside uh Fort Myers uh it's my understanding everything is is a full go there uh and and you're 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 right it's uh the the uh uh, the overlap this year is not as extreme as it has been in the past, uh, simply because of the NCAA moving the start date for college basketball from November 10th to the 25th. We were supposed to have played a game last Tuesday night, uh, so that would have been the opener. Now it is not until a week from Wednesday, uh, and against it'll be Akron, and then uh, second round game on Thanksgiving Day, and a third round game on Friday of next week, uh, and, and, uh, and we made a decision from a radio standpoint, uh, along with two or three others in that tournament that we're going to broadcast those remotely. Uh, and it'll be a, it'll be a first for me. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I've, I've tried, I've made, I remember making audition tapes, uh, watching games on television, watching a game on TV before, but it'll be the first one live that I've done <laughs> remotely. And that's what Kyle and I will be doing next week for basketball is we will be in a situation with a, and, and we can talk more about this next week and go into it a little bit more, but uh, in, in a, in a conference room with a 70 inch screen and, uh, and keeping our fingers crossed that the video stream uh, remains intact. Otherwise we'll be uh, reverting back to a, uh, recreating off the ticker tape like uh like uh, the old guys did in baseball complete with the with the stick on whatever to to yeah. to make the crack of the bat yeah you and i are thinking about the exact same scene from bull durham that's exactly <laughs> right <laughs> that's awesome hey um 
Chip Walters, Voice of the Blue Raiders, brought to you by the law offices of, of Blake Kelly, specializing in accident and injury law. You can find Blake on Facebook or Instagram, or you can give him a call at 615-305-4539. Chip, thanks a lot for visiting with us this morning, and um, good luck in Troy this weekend. Appreciate it, my man, and uh, shout out to all my Columbia peeps. Class of 81. Look at you. See you guys. All right. <laughs> hey, um, that was Chip Walters, and we when we come back, we're going to, um, as Chris had mentioned earlier, we're going to talk a little Ohio Valley Conference basketball. A couple of developments late last week and yesterday. Um, one pretty exciting, the other pretty tragic. But um, stay with us here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Are you finally ready to turn your outdated kitchen into a dream kitchen, but you don't want to deal with the hassle of a remodel? Call our friends Lynn and Kathy over at By Design Cabinetry in Spring Hill. They have the latest trends and timeless classic looks for your home. By Design Cabinetry is your solution to indoor and outdoor cabinets. Visit them at bydesigncabinetry.com or call 615-241-1195. Hey folks, while we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader-building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. I'm back after missing the last segment. <laughs> Good to uh, have you. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, we, we, we had to work on our other situations. We are multitasking. That's exactly what Bug said. He said, oh, multitasking, huh? <laughs> That's it. That's it. Uh, we we got a lot of irons and a lot of fires these days, <laughs> which I guess beats the alternative. That's right. I'd rather be busy than not. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we got some um, some hoops to talk about. As we just mentioned, uh, Middle Tennessee State will open their season next Wednesday on the 25th down in Estero, Florida. And as I was talking with JP off the air, Chip is missing nothing. By not being in Astero, Florida. I've been to Germain Arena. It's nothing special. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's called Hertz Arena now, but it used to be Germain. Um, just outside. It's between Bradenton and Fort Myers, which is literally the middle of nowhere, Florida. And it's hot. Even on Thanksgiving, I'm sure. Um, but some other college basketball news in the mid-state. Tennessee State had some, I guess, exciting, news. really exciting news. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think there's any guess about it. Yeah, on um, either Thursday or Friday last week, I think it was Thursday, it was announced that former TSU forward Rob Covington, who I was shocked to learn this, Rob Covington is one of two HBCU products in the NBA which I find pretty amazing, to be honest. But um, 
at any rate, Rob Covington announced a $1 million gift to Tennessee State University for the purposes of um, constructing a basketball practice facility. Is it basketball or is it just indoor athletics facility? Mm. Because I think that that was what was so interesting was, you know, it it was an – I don't know that it's something that basketball will necessarily use a whole lot, right? But I guess so. I mean, it it says, you know, the Covington Pavilion. The facility – will have two practice courts, locker rooms, and offices for the men's and women's so basketball. basketball programs. That's awesome. According to a release on um, NBA.com. I'm looking for another release because the, there's well, an interesting caveat to this gift. Yeah, so uh, I haven't – I don't see it in the um, – I don't see it in the TSU release, which is on TSUtigers.com. But um, from what we understand, he gave a $75,000 donation back in April of 2019. But this is obviously bigger, a much bigger <laughs> donation. The difference, it's actually the largest of this magnitude to an HBCU by a former athlete that was a product of its program. It's the largest gift ever by a former HBCU athlete to, to Which is their, pretty dang amazing. It really is. The The project is slated to begin in late spring 2021. Now, this is where it gets interesting, is the donation is predicated on the contractor being majority black owned and the reason that is interesting is because we're not sure on the legality of a bid process for something like this as a board of regents institution i feel fairly certain and if anybody has any enlightenment on this feel free to call us and correct us at 931-381-1017 but I feel like as a board of regents institution they would have to bid this out and so you know what if the low bid does not fit that caveat that Mr. Covington has placed on this million dollar donation for this purpose. So. And and as we talked, you and I, when we spoke about it, it, I guess what makes sense is why would a white owned construction company bid on this? Because if they win the bid, he's not going to give the money, which means they don't get the job anyway. So why would you waste time putting a bid together? For a project that you're not going to get. Right. Yeah. It's it's an interesting dynamic. I'm I'm pleased to see, you know, athletes giving back, creating opportunities for others and that kind of thing. It'll be interesting to see how this develops. 
I'm sure former Columbia State men's basketball coach Penny Collins is ecstatic over this development. Yes, Coach Collins said Rob has been a beacon of inspiration for our student-athletes since he left Tennessee State University. To have a practice facility for our men's and women's basketball programs will be a game-changer. It also shows how serious we are ta- we are on taking the next step in being an extremely competitive program in the OVC. Our players will be committed to, to, committed to making Rob proud. He definitely has set the bar for them to follow that was a quote from the release on tsutigers.com from penny collins so what other state has uh has two um division one men's basketball coaches with the same first name <laughs> after named after uh, uh u.s currency <laughs> that's interesting right i didn't realize that like, I mean, I knew that they both were there, but, like, it just hit me that we have, obviously, two pennies. Penny Hardaway. We got the- two pennies. <laughs> All I can think about is little rascals. I got two pickles. I got two pickles. I got two pickles. Hey, 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 hey. 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 Oh, <laughs> mm, mm, mm. oh, man. That, that went off on a weird not, tangent. Not, not the little rascals. <laughs> now I won't be able to get that that little song out of my head either but um but yeah i i assume that it shouldn't be an issue because hopefully only black owned construction companies will bid on the project so that's but that that could be something interesting to to follow no doubt no doubt i think that's absolutely the case um in less happy news Tennessee Martin men's basketball coach Anthony Stewart was found dead yesterday as the Skyhawks approach the upcoming basketball season. This would have been his fifth as head coach of the Martin team. He was 50. Um, And there has been very little details disclosed regarding Coach Stewart's death. just doesn't seem to be a whole lot of information out there on you know the circumstances surrounding it but it's really tragic again Anthony Stewart age 50 died yesterday um, heading into his fifth season as men's basketball coach at UT Martin Um, (laughs) it's stunning and that's exactly what athletic director Kurt McGuffin said in, in a release from the, from the university. We are stunned to hear this tragic news. Coach Stewart was a true leader to every one of the young men he coached. He emphasized the meaning of a college degree and instilled professionalism in each of his student athletes. We asked for privacy during this difficult time. So I don't know how much more will be coming out or when it will be coming out with regards to this um, development. But again, Tennessee Martin men's basketball coach Anthony, Mar- uh, Anthony Stewart um, died Sunday at the age of 50. Yeah, that was tough. Um, this is a guy who, you know, being an OVC basketball fan because of Jacksonville State, I've, I've seen I've seen this this team play, his team play. He's been in, he was an assistant there uh, before becoming the head coach. Uh, I believe that was in um, – I think he got there in 
14. I believe so. Became the coach and the head coach in 16. Took him to 22 wins that year, and an OVC tournament championship game appearance for the second straight time. Uh, in 2017, he was a Ben Job National Coach of the Year Award finalist. Uh, so you know that's that that's tough. And as a an OVC basketball fan and a Jacksonville State fan, you know my heart and thoughts and prayers will go out to the UTM family, and I will be interested to see how this plays out throughout the rest of you know through, throughout the rest of the off season as leading up to. Yeah, the season. I mean, the season starts here pretty soon. Yeah, you so. would think. I mean, I'm not sure what the OVC's plans are in terms of starting their season at this point. But um, I mean, they were they were slated to play um, December 12th against Semo, okay. and then they were going to Jacksonville on December 30th. So tough news, tough loss. Um, it's just stunning. Yep. I, I saw it on Twitter mm. yesterday evening and just kind of came out of nowhere, clearly. it's It really is this heartbreaking news. So, again, our thoughts are going out to the Martin program. Um, and certainly to the Stewart family. And the Stewart family, absolutely. We have, um, I hate to end a segment on such somber news, but um, we are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, the Masters, Will Muschamp, and whether or not the NFL should put flags on quarterbacks. We're also going to talk about a little high school bowling. Oh, are we? Yeah. What's what's going on? We got exciting news there. We'll talk about it when we come back. All right. <laughs> we'll be right back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there, and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net. If you've listened to this show, you know Chris and I are always down for a good meal. Recently, we learned about Patio West in Spring Hill and what a pleasure it has been. Their menu is full of seafood, burgers, and more, giving every member of your family something to enjoy. Be sure to go by Patio West Coastal and Comfort Eats located at 3011 Longford Drive in Spring Hill or visit patiowest.com and tell them the guys at Southern Middle Tennessee Sports sent you. Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. It is Monday, November 16th, 19 minutes to the top of the hour in Columbia, Tennessee. It is a beautiful day outside. The sun is shining here on West 7th in the dimple of Southern Middle Tennessee. The dimple. That's of the universe to you, man. Hmm? It's the dimple of the universe. You know what's crazy is... I had heard that phrase before. I'd heard it primarily from from our guest from earlier in this hour, Chip Walters. But I think we were talking in here one day last week about how the topology of Middle Tennessee kind of slopes into Columbia. And that's kind of where the, the phrase comes from. And I had never 
really realize that. Yeah, I mean, on one side you've got Mount Pleasant, on the other side you've got Spring Hill. Where was that again? You heard me. <laughs> okay. Mount Pleasant, okay. Spring Hill, and right in the middle you get uh, Columbia. The not- Dimple. <laughs> the Dimple. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, so um, welcome in to the Dimple of the Universe. This is Columbia, Tennessee. And we... And right now the dimple of radio. (laughs) Sure is. (laughs) You think things have gotten low? Mm. No, no. See, the beauty of that is there's nowhere to go but up. (laughs) Finish strong. No, I'm going to guess. Famous last words. (laughs) Well, today's Mark Chestnut Day, in case y'all didn't know. When you had a ball Friday and Saturday and Sunday, but it's all over now and it sure is Monday. Today is Mark Chestnut Day. Um, and one person that had a ball on Sunday was Dustin Johnson. Oh, without question. He had a ball Friday, Saturday, and Sunday as he destroyed Augusta National. And, you know, one of the, one of the big bets on, uh, the betting sites was the minus 16, the winner being minus 16 or lower and that was before the tournament that was before the tournament that was like the wow. that was the bar wow and um did anybody take that I, i'm sure several people did but um justin johnson destroyed that too right uh finishes 20 under par for i mean he's the number one player in the world y'all so so I think I saw something on Twitter over the weekend. Will there be an asterisk next to this one? Is this the November master scoring record? I mean, <laughs> yes. Hey, th- does Augusta National play easier in November than it does in April? Well, you know, if you go back and look at the leaderboard, you know, y- you sit there and you go, darn, almost everybody that made the cut was under par. I mean – the highest score of the tournament of anybody who made the who made the cut was you know eight over, and I don't know. I mean, it feels like maybe it does. Maybe the the air is a little different. I think the, the win too was dramatically different. It was different and less, I believe, as a whole. Um, and I think that had uh, something to do with it. Maybe made it a little easier and. The rain um, that came through and the moisture of the season, I think, slowed the greens up just a little bit. I mean, how many balls did you see make massive dimples, back to that, on the green? I don't recall seeing that often at the Masters because those greens are so hard, right? Yeah, that's it's very unusual. So, And, and as you talk about the wind... I'm sure that had a little bit to do with Tigers 10, who, by the way, shot a 39 on the backside. Despite, despite shooting a 10. a 10. Oh, man. He, That's... Fin- he finished the tournament at one under. Although he finished Sunday at four over, but still, that's Im- that's impressive. I just I don't know how you I mean, clearly you have to have a short memory as a pro golfer, but how you pull it back together after a 10 on what? The second hole? 
Of uh, the back nine? Third. Mm-hmm. Third hole? He was on 12. Was 12, Was yeah. it 12? Yeah. Okay. And, and you pull it back together to finish at 39. That's impressive. I think it was the first time that he had birdied 15 through 18, or uh, ever on That just goes to show you that he got, he got dialed in. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I mean, he was like, you know, he thought, can't finish last. So... Jeez. It's pretty amazing. You talk about the the job that Dustin Johnson did on the course. He also did one on the field. I mean, he finished five strokes ahead of um, the two second place finishers. So he was, you know, dominant over the last three rounds for sure. I don't know if y'all saw there was a there was a tweet that said uh, Jim Nance's call of Dustin Johnson winning was would probably be from a fall. To the bottom of his stairs, to a fall atop the leaderboard. <laughs> and I, I lost it. There you go. There you so, go. Oh, man. That was... Speak, speaking of Coastal Carolina, Coastal alumnus, yeah. Dustin Johnson. Great oh. fall for everybody from Conway, South Carolina, huh? Yeah, not a great fall from uh, folks... In other parts of South Carolina. Oh, nice. Yeah, the guy over in uh, the Columbia area of South Carolina, Will Muschamp. Well, you know what? Hasn't had a good fall, and he just. His fall just got a lot better, by the way. It did, because he doesn't have to watch that team anymore. He doesn't have to coach South Carolina, and he's getting paid. And he's getting paid. There you go. So, So, all in all. It's like it's like our, our friend uh, Barrett Salee said. Just a reminder that being fired as an FBS football coach is the best job in the universe. Just in time for the holidays, too. For just Muschamp. in time for the holidays. I mean, <laughs> and I've gotten paid to not work, but nothing like this. Yeah, no. I mean, it would be nice. Yeah. To 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 be in that era, but <laughs> I'm not there. No. That being said, South Carolina, the first to fire their coach, is that why do you think they did that? <laughs> why do you think they were first? Why do you think they were first? <laughs> well, the the theory seems to be that they wanted to be the first to, um, to propose to Hugh Freeze up at Liberty. <laughs> and to that, I ask the question, Why? One, why would you want, if you are the Ole Miss of the East, why would you want Hugh Freeze, who couldn't do anything more than win nine ball games a year at Ole Miss, unless you just really like going to Tampa in December? But of those nine ball games a year that he was winning at Ole Miss, he beat Nick Saban twice. Whoop-de-doo. Guess what they didn't do? Go to Atlanta. Guess what they didn't do? Make the playoffs. You know what, though? Has anybody else in the conference beaten Nick Saban twice? I'm not sure why that matters. Have you looked at the standings? Okay, he beat them twice, but he still did not go to Atlanta. 
You can you can win. You can beat Nick Saban all you want. Okay, but if you, you don't can, go to Atlanta, okay, it doesn't he, matter. Here's the deal, though. You can beat Nick Saban and not go to Atlanta, or you cannot beat Nick Saban and not go to Atlanta. Now, which would you rather do? In, and I never thought I would be a Hugh Freeze apologist, but I certainly understand the logic behind anybody in the Southeastern Conference that would be interested in him. I can't. It doesn't make sense to me. It makes. It doesn't make sense to me that you would hire Hugh Freeze, but it's not because of his lack of success. Because, I mean, again, who else has beaten the guy in the Southeastern Conference twice. My point is... It's one game. I get that. It's not just that. He underachieved after cheating for four years. <laughs> if you I ha- guess it depends on what your, what your bar is. That's what I'm saying. I mean, Tampa is obviously better than home. <laughs> I mean, Especially at Ole Miss. No, I'm. I'm well, yeah. Well, I or mean, at South Carolina. Yeah. Either one, but yeah. It. It just doesn't. I, I don't understand. I mean, it. Personally, I think South Carolina's got an overinflated opinion of themselves. Nobody this is other my point. than nobody other than Steve Spurrier has had success at South Carolina. This is my entire. Just like Ole Miss, right? Yeah. It's false self, false sense of self worth. Yeah. Ole Miss has it. South Carolina has it. I think the whole conference minus Vanderbilt has it. No, I don't, I think, don't think so. so. I mean, when you, I don't know. I'm ta- we're talking like over the you're, history of the. the I mean, you're talking world. about an Ole Miss that went to four straight bowl games under David Cutcliffe, missed one after Eli Manning graduated, fired Cutcliffe. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking that's, about that's a, that situation there. A Again, team that hasn't been to a, that hasn't won a national championship in 70 years thinks that they should be in the discussion every year. Yeah, that's not that's not what we're talking about here. We're we're not talking about LSU or, you know, for, Ole Miss thinks they should be getting the cream of the crop players and coaches when they have no chance at getting the cream of the crop players and cro- coaches. Lane Kiffin might prove you wrong on the ladder. Well, Lane Kiffin's fantastic. And Lane Kiffin may be the one to bring him back. He might be the one. Clipboard throwing all. <laughs> I'm just saying I don't think Hugh Freeze is going to take South Carolina to the next step. Is he I don't know that, that he is them? I don't know that he is either, but I see the logic behind the thought process didn't say i agree with it but i see it i mean if if nick saban is the standard that everybody's shooting at why not go get the guy that's had the most success against him he had most success against him because of because 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 he caught lightning in a bottle well but nobody else has that being said he i mean he 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 out he out coached nick saban with his quarterback situation you know when he had Bo Wallace he he figured it out he figured out that you beat Nick Saban with a dual threat quarterback which I mean it should have been obvious and, and I'm not Cam even Newton sure that did. that's I'm not even sure that's the case anymore now it's not because of him <laughs> because he exposed that exactly so you don't have that situation anymore anyway that's just I, if I'm South Carolina 
that's there not are, the direction you There are in. better options, Steve Sarkeesian, out hmm. there. <laughs> but you look, you look at the rest of the coaches, current coaches in the Southeastern Conference, there is that trend towards the splash. Obviously, both Mississippi universities uh, with what they've done. Uh, well, we see how that worked for one of them. Well, Jimbo but, Fisher. Um, yeah, Jimbo Fisher. I mean – the SEC is kind of back in the forefront of notable coaches where they weren't for several years. It was the Big Ten. It was, uh, you know, a couple in the ACC. But the, the SEC was kind of kind of drab outside of Nick Saban. And uh, not that Pruitt is a sexy hire, but uh, they've, you know. He's gotten a lot less sexy yeah, over the last uh, few years. I, I think there is a little splash effect that South Carolina – does anybody ever watch Draft Day? With Kevin Costner? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The whole movie, what they talk about? Making a splash with mm-hmm. that number one pick. What'd he do? <laughs> he didn't make a splash. Because it's not about making a splash. You don't, you don't win conference championships by winning press conferences, folks. I, I agree with that. I'm just telling you there is that mindset. Oh, in the, oh I get it. The, uh, the pressure to do just that. I don't. You're not wrong. I don't. I get it. I just think it's a poor Who, mindset. It it is a poor mindset. But who's going to generate more excitement? Spelled M O N E Y around the South Carolina program, Hugh Freeze or Jamie Chadwell? Who? Coastal Carolina. Yep. <laughs> I, I knew who you were talking about. Hugh Freeze, but that's what people Hugh Freeze say. or Who? Billy Napier? Who? Uh huh. You're right. Although I'd probably take Napier. Ch- I'd probably take Chatwell or Napier over Hugh Freeze, just because you don't have the strings that come along with it. And here's the here. Well, two X factors. One, I'm not sure Freeze would leave Liberty right now. I think he feels a debt of gratitude to that program for bringing him in. Do you really believe that? No. <laughs> I'm sorry. Have you met Hugh Freeze? <laughs> wow. Okay. Two. This is Bobby Petrino <laughs> Jr. Oh, goodness. This is Bobby Petrino Jr. I won't argue with you, but if you know it's Bobby Petrino Jr., then there's a certain guy sitting in a certain office in a certain building in Birmingham that knows it as well. That's right. And – as far as Greg Sankey goes, Hugh Freeze has everything but a show cause. That's true. I don't know. I, we'll see what happens, but I think Hugh Freeze is the wrong move. I like the coastal guy. I D- think that it'd be a great hire. Yeah. Although it's a little easier to recruit where he's at than Columbia. But <laughs> anyway, Columbia's not a bad. I don't town. know. It's, Columbia, it's, Columbia's a good college town. Oh, it's great, but I mean, a lot it's of Myrtle, Myrtle Beach Myrtle isn't Beach thirty is minutes bad. away though. <laughs> So okay, Con- forty-five Con- in traffic. Con- Conway's not on the beach, but it's close. It's close. It's on the coast. It's, it's close. close. Coastal Carolina. It's close. <laughs> it's close. <laughs> Co- Columbia is only two hours or less from Ish. Charleston. Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, listen, and, and it's a college town. It is. Con- Conway is a stopover to the Myrtle. Conway beach. is an intersection uh-huh. on the way to Myrtle Beach. Exactly. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. All right, finally, last thing, should NFL just put flags on quarterbacks? We saw yesterday where Teddy Bridgewater was hit face mask to face mask, but it 
that being said, when he turned, he squatted into the face mask of a defender. 15-yard penalty that it would have been fourth down. Instead, it becomes a 15-yard penalty and a first down. Because personal fouls are automatic first downs in the the NFL. NFL. So (laughs) that's going to be our poll on Twitter today, at SM underscore TN Sports on Twitter. Should the NFL – we saw it against – also, um, you saw it uh, Yeah, Drew Brees. Brees. Drew Brees got wrapped up and laid down, and, and somebody got hit with a personal foul. Also, um, district bowling tournament taking place out at Ten Pin Alley right now. Spring Hill, Lawrence County, Columbia Central, Santa Fe, Tullahoma, Marshall County, and Franklin County taking part in that. So, um, if you want to see a little kegling – Head on out to Ten Pin Alley. We'll go. have results on sm-tnsports.com later today. Yeah, if you can't get out there, check out the results on the website. Uh, Mo will be out there doing that. We will be back with you tomorrow, nine o'clock, on WKM one hundred one seven FM here in Columbia. We appreciate you guys listening. This is Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint, and we invite you to stay cool, Columbia. Cool,